Uh, it is just one Sunday from Christmas Eve, which is wonderful. Uh, it's a great, great time of year. And um, uh, it's amazing how, I, I, for me, the older I get, the faster it goes. You guys probably all feel the same way too. Uh, it's going really fast. We're already in the middle of uh, what we, you know, what we in the church call the Advent season, where we celebrate Advent. It's, it's basically uh, remembering and celebrating uh, the, a notable event or the arrival of a notable person. And obviously with the Christian Advent, it's about celebrating the fact that our Lord and Savior came to this earth as a baby, God with us, Emmanuel. And uh, we don't just celebrate a historical thing, but we also are anticipating his coming back again. Amen. And we are excited about that. And it's, it's exciting this time of year to celebrate that he was born in a manger and he did live on this earth. But it's not just about that. It's about that he's coming back too. And uh, our theme this month, as you know, if you've been here, is, is King Jesus. Uh, we celebrate the fact, not just that he came as a baby, but that he came as a baby king. He lived as a king. He died as a king. He rose again as a king. And he's coming back again as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we're thankful for that. Praise God. Yes, thank the Lord. So if he's a king, that means he has a kingdom. Now, we know that his kingdom is not of this world. If you've been here and you've heard us talking about it, we've been talking about the kingdom of God. In fact, Jessica did a great job last week talking about having a kingdom mindset through this Christmas season, that it's not just about gifts and parties and food and all those things, but it is about living with a kingdom mindset in our life. And today we're gonna to kind of continue that, that vein of the kingdom of God. And I'm gonna jump right in with my text verse this morning. I know you've been standing and sitting, but we're gonna, I'm gonna ask you to stand with me again. And I promise I won't make you do this anymore until the end. But uh, we like to stand here in honor of reading God's word together, Matthew 13. Uh, this is when Jesus had just finished giving a parable to a big group of people. And in verse 10, it says that his disciples came to him and asked, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables for they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really understand or listen. My message today, we're gonna to talk about the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we love you today. Thank you for your word. God, it is, it is why we're here. Lord, we pray that your word would do its work in our hearts. Lord, we are, we are all fallible. We are all flawed people that need you desperately to work in our lives, God. So would you do what only you can do in us over these next few moments we have together, God. And let it be for your glory, let it be for our good, let it advance your kingdom and prove to be fruit in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you, you can be seated. So we're talking about the kingdom, or the secrets of the kingdom. And anytime we talk about secrets, as I was even preparing this, I can't help but my mind goes to um, uh, what seems to be a, a pretty hot debate frequently when you talk about secrets, uh, just in general. And the debate that I hear all the time is who's better at keeping secrets, men or women? And I think that it's not even close. I think that men are better at keeping secrets than women all day, every day. And before women, before you storm the stage and try to throw me out of here, let me explain why. I think you'll understand when I explain why. Because the fact of the matter is, men are so good at keeping secrets and not sharing them with other people because many times when the secret is being told to them, they're not paying attention. So your secret is safe with us, ladies, because we're not listening. I'm just kidding, just kidding, kinda, sorta, but not really. Um, no, but when we talk about secrets, 
Uh, my, my message today is about the secrets of the kingdom, which is what was in my text verse. Jesus said that there are secrets in the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God has secrets. And there's, a, there's aspects of our faith, of this faith, this Christian faith, that um, there are secrets. There are things that are not out there in the open for everybody all the time. Uh, in fact, even the Christmas story itself that we're celebrating this month, you know, uh, in my family, every Christmas morning, before we do anything else, when we get up, we read the Christmas story out of Luke 2. And we just, we read through it because we want to set the stage for the day that it really is about Jesus coming to this earth. And, and when you read the Christmas story, which most of us in this room know this story, even in that, you could tell there's, there's an, it seems like there's an aspect of secrecy to it. Jesus coming, the, the God of the universe coming, uh, putting flesh on and coming to this earth, literally coming in a little seemingly insignificant town called Bethlehem that had very little significance at that time. It was just a very little small town, not being born in a, in a, in a, you know, a really great place. He was born in a stable, placed in a feeding trough. I mean, there's a lot about it. It was at night. There weren't a lot of people around. Kind of sends off this vibe of secrecy even with Jesus coming. And you know, if you know the story of Jesus' life on this earth, he would tell people all the time, he'd heal somebody, he'd say, hey, don't go tell anybody that I did it. Don't tell anybody the Messiah is here. He, he, didn't, want every, he didn't want to put it out there because it wasn't the right time. And so there's aspects of the kingdom of God that can be somewhat secretive on this earth. And it's all part of God's plan. Because in fact, my text verse, the 12th verse out of my text verse, it says that to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. So this gives us a glimpse of the heart of God, that he wants to give us understanding, that it's not secret, the things of God are not secret in the sense that it's like just for a select few, or that it's for the elite, or that God's trying to withhold salvation or even his blessings from any of us, but it's about he wants those that will seek him. Jesus said, if you will listen to my teaching, not just with your ears, but you will listen and you will pay attention, he will give us understanding. He will reveal the secrets of the kingdom of God in our life. That's his plan for us. And he has secrets because he wants us to seek after his kingdom. It's only those who are listening and that will pay attention that are actually going to get understanding in his kingdom. It's those that are seeking that will actually be, get to see the secrets of the kingdom of God. You know, the Bible talks a lot about seeking. And you know, you don't have to seek something that's not really hidden, right? If it's in plain sight and it's there for everybody to see, you wouldn't have to seek it. Yet Jesus says to seek me and you will find me. Knock and the door will be open. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and these things will be added to you. There's a lot about seeking and looking out and looking for the secrets of the kingdom of God that he would want for us in our life. As I said, he's not withholding the kingdom of God. He's not trying to keep people out. It's not for the elite. It's not just for a select few that we can brag about the fact that we've figured it out and somebody else hasn't. But the reality is not everyone is going to find it. You know, it's, it's open to all. When I refer to the kingdom of God, it's open to all, but it's only given to some. It's available to all, but it's only received by some. And we know that to be true. Because if it was received by everyone, the whole world would be Christians, right? But it's only received by some. In fact, Jesus said that it's for those that are listening. That's what my text verse says. Those that are listening, they'll actually understand it. The secrets will be revealed. He wants us to have eyes to see it and ears to hear it. And it all, all of this boils down to one phrase that I would say. 
And that is that God hides his treasures, not from people, but for people, people who will seek him. He hides them. There's secrecy to some of it, but it's not to keep it from people. It's for those that would seek after it. It's for those that would make it a priority in their life to go after it. Jesus said in just a little later in the same chapter from my text verse in Matthew 13, we look down just a little bit later in verse 44. Look what he says. He's talking about his kingdom. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure that's hidden in a field. So here we go. More, more hiding things, more secrecy. It's hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought the field because he recognized the value of it. And then he gives another scenario. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven, my kingdom, Jesus says, is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great price, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So there's things about the kingdom that are hidden, but in both of these scenarios, he's saying there's people that are actually looking for it. And this is actually really exciting, church, because what this tells us is that Jesus is showing us just a little bit here about the value of the kingdom of God. That it's not just some thing that's not a big deal, but that it is incredibly valuable for someone to be willing to, can you imagine what it would take for you to find something that you are willing to go get rid of everything you own just to have that? That would have to be something pretty valuable, wouldn't it? And he's saying, that's what the kingdom of God is like. It is so valuable. It would, it would make you, if I said you have to get rid of everything else you own in your life to have this, you would do it with gladness. You would do it with a smile on your face. You would do it skipping all the way there and all the way back because of what you found. He's speaking to the value of the kingdom. And the thing is, when, we, when there's things that in our life that we know have value, we're going to be very intentional with those things, aren't we? We're going to be very careful with those things. We're not just going to put it out there for anyone to just come and partake in that people that wouldn't necessarily appreciate it or might even do something bad with it or steal it or whatever. You know, when I put my trash out to the road, my assumption is that the company that I hired to come pick up my trash is, are the ones that are going to come get it and take it. But you know what? If, some, if my neighbor wants to come down and take my trash while it's sitting out there, that's fine with me. It's a little weird, but it's fine. If he wants to come and get my trash, I don't care because it has no value to me. I'm done with it. It's trash. <laughs> I've put it out there for a reason. I don't want it anymore. So I don't care who it's, who's exposed to it, who can see it and who might want it. I remember putting a, when the kids were little, the girls were little, we had a bike that the, the chain broke and one of the tires was torn and off of it. And I just put it out next to the garbage barrel out by the road. And I hadn't even walked up to the house yet. And some guy just stops and he gets out and he says, Hey man, can I have this bike? I said, sure. I should have sold it to him. Maybe he, might have, he was so excited. He might've paid me for it, but, but I was done with it. It was trash for me. It wasn't anything I was ever going to use again. So I didn't care. But if it's something valuable, you know, if it's, if it's my, my car, I'm not going to put it out by the road with the keys in it, with a sign on it that says, Hey, this is everybody's because it's going to be gone and I need it. It's something valuable to me. So the things we value, we want to be intentional and careful with. And that's exactly what God does with the kingdom. It's, it's, he's intentional about it. It's very, very valuable, and he wants us to see it that way as well. So when we talk about secrets, I want to step back just for a second here, and I want to give you a few characteristics of a secret, okay? And then I'm going to use these characteristics to kind of unpack a little more about the secrets of the kingdom of God. So just indulge me here for just a moment as I talk through a couple characteristics of a secret. And the first one is that it is concealed. 
the, the very definition of a secret is that it is, the information is concealed. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a secret, right? It's concealed. It's not out in the open. It's not out there for everybody just to have or to see or, or to be part of if they don't have anything to do with it or if they're not going to care about it. A secret is something you would keep between people that you can trust and care and you know that they're going to handle it well and they're going to honor you and you can trust them with it. So any secret ha is going to be concealed and not out just for everybody. And then there's also conjecture with secrets. Conjecture just means, you know, speculation. Because when there's a secret, the people outside of that circle that have that secret, all the information, they might have little bits of information about it. Because obviously sometimes little bits of information leak out about a secret. And so people will form opinions based on having partial knowledge of it. And they'll speculate. And they'll, they'll, there'll be conjecture. And uh, this is where conspiracy theories come from because people only know part of the situation and not all of it. It's where partial truths are thrown out and being made to think that they are full truths. And it can become a huge mess when it comes to a secret. People, in, people are not in the know get frustrated because they wanna be in the know. In fact, if you, have a, if, if you go on a website and you see a link that says, or you see something you can click on that says secret exposed, I mean, we're all tempted to click on that because, oh, a secret, I want to know what it is. You can, it can be clickbait in a heartbeat because, we, because when we're outside of that, we want to know, and it can breed and it can promote conjecture in life. And then third and finally is confidence. A secret has to have confidence, not, not the confidence like the self-assurance, like I'm very confident in myself, but the confidence about being able to be trustworthy. Like it has to be able to be kept by the people that have that information for it to be a secret. Because as soon as it's let out, it's not a secret anymore. A secret loses its DNA when it is shared openly with everybody. Just like when ice melts, it no longer becomes ice, even though there's something there. A secret no longer becomes a secret when it's out, it just now becomes information. So you have those three things. You have, uh, uh, it's concealed, it's, there's conjecture with it, and there has to be confidence to really have a secret. So now I wanna take these three and I wanna unpack them and how that looks in the kingdom of God and in our life as we walk out this life of faith. Okay, so I shared the first one was concealed. So what is concealed secret, the, the, uh, the uh, characteristic of a secret being concealed in the kingdom of God, what does that look like? Well, we already shared that there are concealed aspects to the kingdom of God. Jesus said it in my very text verse, that there are secrets about the kingdom that are only revealed to those who, will, who want to understand, who will seek it out, who have ears to hear and eyes to see. So there are secrets about the kingdom. In fact, Jesus seems to imply in one of the passages, in fact, in Matthew 11, he seems to imply that to, to uncover some of the secrets about the kingdom of God, the only way to uncover them is to come as a child. He says in Matthew 11:25, 25, it says that Jesus, Jesus says here that God has hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. So he's hidden things. They're secrets that the smart people are never going to get. It's only those that come to him as the little child, as the way that a child would come to their father. And because of that, there's many people that will never experience or uncover some of the concealed secrets of the kingdom because they're unwilling to come to God as a child, especially as, as you're grown up. You think, I don't want to be like a child. Children are, you know, they're ignorant, they're they're not intelligent, they're not learned, they don't know a lot of things, but I, you know, I've grown up, I have all this wisdom and knowledge, and I, that's how I'm gonna come to God like that, not like a child would. But Jesus says, well, if you don't come to me as a child, these things are gonna remain hidden, because they're only revealed 
to the little children in the faith. And when we refuse to be like that, we refuse to come to God like that, what that means for us is that the secrets remain concealed in our life. They remain secrets and we are on the outside looking in at these concealed things about God. Now this rings true when you're talking about the kingdom of God, when you're talking about salvation, and it rings true for when you're talking about living within the faith. For those that are outside of salvation, there's all kinds of secrets about the kingdom that have not been revealed to people that would not call themselves Christians. But even when you become a Christian, there are secrets inside of the faith too that we need to have continually revealed to us, that the concealed would be opened up to us as we walk out this faith. I mean, when it comes to salvation, it's obvious. There are secrets about salvation that a lot of people will never get. They will never understand about what it looks like to have faith in God, what it looks like to be saved. If you're here today and you, have, and you would call yourself a Christian and you would say you're saved, well then one of the secrets of the kingdom that has been revealed to you is that the wages of sin is death, that you are a sinner in need of a savior, and the only way to not get the wages you deserve for your sin is to put your faith in Jesus. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen? And so if you know that and you believe that, you, that's a secret of the kingdom that's been uncovered for you. It's not concealed anymore. You've, 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 uh, you've recognized it and you've stepped into salvation. But you know, there's a lot of people that will never step into that. In fact, it's not, again, it's not that God is not, it's not that he's reserving it just for a few. It's just that too many people won't see it with their eyes and hear it with their ears and receive it. In fact, Jesus said pretty clearly when he talked about salvation in Matthew 7, in verse 13, this passage is about salvation. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction away from the kingdom of God. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. That word find there is very important. To find something, that means you had to go looking for it. On some level, it was secret. On some level, it was concealed from us. And only some are going to find it. And if you have found it, if you are walking in salvation today and you would say, I am confident and assured that I am a follower of Jesus and that if I died in this very moment, I know that I will go to heaven. Well, then that truth has been revealed. That means you have found it. Praise God for that. It means that that truth has been revealed to you. It means that you are on the narrow path. It means that you saw the narrow gate, you saw the big gate, and you chose the narrow one, and you decided to walk down that path. And it's narrow for a reason, because there are a lot of people that are never going to find it. That secret is going to continue to be concealed for many people. And that's very, very sad, but that's also challenges us to make sure we're doing our part, which I'm going to get into in a little bit. But to be even be able to see that narrow gate with the eyes that Jesus is talking about, having eyes to see, like not just see it, but really see it, to even be able to see that narrow gate, you have to know that you are spiritually poor and that you need it, that the wages of your life is sin and that, or, or that, that your life is about the sin that you have lived in because you can't live outside of sin on your own. So the wages you deserve is death. You have to be able to even see that you are spiritually poor. In fact, Jesus Talked about it in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5, in verse 3, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
So the people that are, get to go into the kingdom of heaven, this is, this is about salvation. The ones that get to be saved and get to walk down that narrow path, it's the ones, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And this doesn't mean like blessed are the ones that are spiritually poor. That word there actually means bankrupt. Blessed are the bankrupt in spirit. It's not about whether or not you are bankrupt. It's about whether or not you know that you are bankrupt. Because we are all spiritually bankrupt. Nothing of, none of us is good enough. So when we recognize that I am spiritually bankrupt and I need Jesus, I need a savior in my life, that's when you see the narrow gate. And that's when you walk down that narrow gate. That truth has been revealed. That hidden truth that was concealed is now revealed. And you step into salvation. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing for those of us that have stepped into that. But it is very difficult at times for us to know that we are spiritually poor to remember that we are spiritually poor. In fact, we talk about poor versus wealthy. This is why Jesus said it is so hard for the wealthy to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I'm not just talking about the ridiculous wealthy. I'm talking about people that have enough in life to be comfortable with what they have, to have wealth, which most people in the United States have more wealth than most of the people around the world. So most of us have wealth as Jesus would have put it. And he said, it's hard for the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, why is that? If getting into the kingdom of heaven is just about saying a prayer at an altar and saying a sinner's prayer and then trying to be a good person and not sin, what does it matter if I'm rich or not? Why does Jesus say it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle? Well, the reason he says that, I believe, is because when we have our own wealth, when you are physically wealthy and comfortable, it is very hard at times to see how spiritually bankrupt you really are because we can lean on that. That's what gets us through life. And wait a minute, you're telling me I'm bankrupt? No, no, I've worked hard. Look at, look at my savings account. Look what I got here. I got a nice house. I got two cars. And it can be hard to see how spiritually broke we are because we can be physically wealthy. It's hard to see your spiritual status that it is bankrupt when your physical status is looking pretty good. And the stock market had a good year and things are going well. And that, that physical wealth, that, that comfort that we have in this life can, can keep the secrets of the kingdom concealed from us because we don't have eyes to see it. Because I don't really want to know about spiritually being spiritually bankrupt. I just want to let Jesus come into my heart so I can be saved because I don't want to go to hell when I die. But he says, no, 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 no. You actually have to know that you are spiritually bankrupt without me and that you have no option, there's no other choice spiritually but to live for me. And so it can make it challenging for us. So it rings true when it comes to salvation, that, things, that the truths of salvation can be concealed from so many people. But it also rings true when we step inside of faith. Let's say once you get on that narrow road, there's still a lot of other secrets about the kingdom of God that we need to ask God to reveal to us. There are secrets that Many people will walk that narrow path their whole life and never experience or never have some of, the, some of the hidden things of God exposed to them or opened up or revealed to them. But I don't know about you, but for me, I wanna make sure I'm doing whatever I can do to, and asking God to constantly be, in, be revealing those secrets to me. I wanna live out the, what the kingdom of God is meant to look like in my life. But it's so easy to look past that. And what I want to do is just, just very quickly give you just two of the secrets I believe for those of us in the faith that many of us miss and don't get to experience in our life. Just because I want us to, I want to be thinking about this. I want us, you know, this, this may hit you somewhere in your, 
in your heart too, where you realize, man, I haven't really experienced this. This has been a secret in my life that I haven't really allowed the Lord to open up to me and to challenge us. And the first one is that greatness is measured by serving others. Okay. Now this could be a whole series in and of itself, but just very briefly as a sub point here to mention that this is a secret in the kingdom of God for us in the church, that greatness in God's kingdom is measured by how we serve. And I'm not, this is not a ploy to try to get everybody in here to join our dream team this week, okay? Even though that would be great for some of you to do that because I believe you find purpose in that. But that's not what this is about. This is about having an understanding and, and realizing that one of the secrets of the kingdom of God is that we live to serve others. That we serve him first and we serve others. And we serve him oftentimes by serving others. That that is what greatness looks like. And Jesus demonstrated this the way he came to the earth. When he came to the earth, he didn't come with pomp and circumstance and all kinds of, the sky wasn't cracked open and him just dropping down and coming in and saying, the Messiah is here, everybody. But he came in, the, in this completely opposite circumstance and it wasn't just some aw shucks thing that Jesus decided to do. He was exemplifying the life of somebody that was gonna follow him, to, be, to come in places of humility and to, to, not, to not exalt yourself and to, to live a life of serving others. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve others. In fact, let me read the verse, Matthew 20. It says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. That is a secret of the kingdom of God that many, Many Christians never have exposed to them. It's never uncovered in their life. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What he is basically saying here is that the highest honor in his kingdom, which we are part of if you are a follower of Jesus, the highest honor is to serve others. That the higher you want to go in this kingdom, the more you serve. That's completely contrary to everything in the world. Contrary to everything else that the world would say, that's why it's a secret. And that's why many Christians don't even embrace it because it doesn't even fully make sense sometimes to us. But this is something that Jesus said very clearly. And what happens is that the lies that stand between us and this truth oftentimes are, well, my faith is really about what God's gonna do for me. It's about how God's gonna bless me. Like he's so glad that I you know, decided to give him my life. Now he's really, he better show up and show off. And we can live our life that way and the concept of living to serve others doesn't even seem like it's a big deal. Like if I feel like it, I might do it. But if I don't feel like it, I'm not going to. I'm not gonna serve my family. I'm not gonna serve the people I work with. I'm not gonna serve my employees. I'm not gonna serve in my church. I'm not gonna serve around anybody else. I'm gonna really expect that God's just gonna bless me. And if he blesses me enough, I might do something. But to make this a lifestyle and really understand that the highest honor in this kingdom, this is the only kingdom in the history of the universe that has this as the highest honor, that it is about serving others. And we miss this secret in our life. Now, the, and another, the other one that I wanted to share with you today, just briefly, is non-circumstantial contentment. I know that's a, I worded that kind of weird, but I wanted to make you have to think about it. Non-circumstantial commitment. In other words, the ability to be content 
and at peace, and it does not depend on our circumstances. You know, that is a, that is a well-kept secret in the kingdom of God, too well-kept. Too many of us do not even begin to comprehend what it looks like to be content in any circumstance, to be content no matter what the circumstance is. And, we, and all of us know the verse. I should say all of us. The overwhelming majority of us know the verse. We can even know where it's found. It's in Philippians 4. It's the Apostle Paul talking. In fact, I'm gonna read 12 and 13. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. So he says, I know what it looks like to be on both sides of the spectrum. And I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed, hungry, living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now the last verse is the bumper sticker verse that we really, really like. But when you look at it in context, he's saying, really what he's saying is, I can do all things, I can be content. I can be content no matter what's going on in my life. I can be content if everything seems to be falling apart. Now, not happy, not rejoicing and like, woohoo, I'm glad everything's terrible. But content here means to be satisfied. It means to be at peace with whatever is going on. And he says, I have learned the secret. It is a secret of the kingdom of God that we are not going to find if we just sit back and expect God to just hit us over the head with it. It is a treasure in the kingdom. And just like the man that had to go looking for the pearl, just like the man that went looking for the treasure, we have to go looking for this. But too many of us in the church, and I'm talking about the big C church, are not willing to really go look for it. We just want God to hit us with his magic wand and make us content no matter what. And Paul, even Paul said, I had to learn it. I had to learn it. In other words, I had to seek it. I had to go find it. And when I found it, it was the greatest thing ever. And this is something all of us want. There's nobody that doesn't want to know how to be content when things are really stinking. But to put in the work to do that, to get there, is something we're not always willing to do. And so it remains concealed. It remains a secret in our life. And it's sad because this is something the world wants to see in the church. The world wants to see Christians that are content and at peace when they're going through hell. That's what the world wants to see. And you know what, when we're not doing that, you know what the world says? Why do I want what you have? You're freaking out just as bad as I am. You're freaking out worse than I am actually. And you're spiritualizing it. It's the devil attacking me, so you're freaking out. The world desperately wants to see the hope that we really have in Jesus. And when they see it, they're drawn to it. But when we're freaking out over wars that are happening, over sicknesses, over diseases, when COVID-19, when the church freaks out over stuff like that, the world just says, you guys know better than us. You got nothing to offer me. Yet Paul says, I can be content in everything. Everything. But it's a secret and we have to want it. Or it will remain concealed. All right, so the second characteristic of the secret that I was sharing with you is conjecture, okay? A secret inspires conjecture. It inspires speculation, conspiracy theories, partial truths. Okay, that's something that secrets inspire. How does that work within the kingdom of God? Well, I don't know about you, but it seems to me like people do form opinions in the church without having all the information. My goodness, is that prevalent in the church? Denominations are started because of 
differences of understanding of certain things, churches splitting, people leaving their faith, deconstructing and walking away because of conjecture, because of not really having full understanding, but deciding, forming opinions based on partial understanding and alienating in life. It is important, it is so important that we know that we don't know everything, that we don't have full understanding about everything about the kingdom of God. It is imperative that we understand that. You know, there are more secrets that have not been uncovered for us once we enter into faith, once we are on the narrow road, than there were before we got on it. There's more secrets. It just be, it's, it's because we love Jesus and we wanna serve God and we've been a Christian for a long time has, does not mean that we know everything. It doesn't mean that we have full understanding of everything. Now, let me pause right here for a minute before some of your blood pressure goes through the roof because you're thinking I'm gonna make everything about faith abstract. There are things in the word that are absolute, okay? There's actually a lot of things that are absolute, okay? Salvation is absolute. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, everyone say no one. That includes you and me and everyone that's ever walked on this earth. No one comes through the Father but through him, okay? Salvation is crystal clear. There's aspects of our faith, walking out our faith, that are crystal clear but there's also a lot of aspects that are not crystal clear. And we have to be very careful not to make those things absolutes in our life. Some things are about conviction and some things are just downright sin, okay? The conviction is different than the sin. If something is sin, it's sin for everybody. If it's a conviction, it's a sin for you. And we have to be very, very careful not to allow partial truths and partial information to cause us to form opinions of absolutes in our life. I mean, people don't like knowing that they don't know things, that they don't know the whole secret, so it will cause us to form opinions about things, to make ourselves feel better sometimes, or maybe sometimes just because of downright deception in our life. I mean, when I talk about you know, the greatness through serving and having contentment in all situations, if that's something that hasn't been revealed to you, maybe that's a secret that you don't really understand, it's easy to take partial truths out of that and make it absolutes and say, oh, that's not really what he meant. You know, Jesus didn't, I mean, greatness can't be about serving because you need leaders. You know, the certain people are just born as leaders and leaders don't need to be serving. We need to let people that can't lead, they need to be the ones serving because anybody can do that. And you justify not serving because you haven't really, you don't understand all the information. You haven't had ears to hear or the contentment in all things. It's easy to say, there's no way. There's no way, Paul didn't know what he was talking about there. He, either that or he just never experienced some of the stuff I've experienced. He never lost a job right before Christmas. Or worse yet, he didn't have to bury a child or be told that he's got a year to live. Like you can't be expected to be content in all of those things. And so because it doesn't make sense to us, we make absolutes out of something that we don't even really understand. And that is a very dangerous place to be. And what it does is it opens us up to deception. It opens us up to being able to be deceived in ways that we never even thought we could be deceived. I mean, there's so much about what, how God functions that we will never understand. Maybe not even when we're in heaven, who knows? I mean, I don't understand fully why Jesus came the way he did. If, it was, if he came to me and said, hey, how should I come to earth? I'd have been like, huh, let's do this. Let's have a parade. Let's crack the sky open. 
I mean, let's make it just one of those things that everybody on the earth is going to know you're the Messiah. I said, I would have done it. Now, I have some understanding as to why he did it the way he did it, but not full understanding. None of us do. There's, there's things that we're just not going to understand, and we have to be okay with that. It's not about having full understanding. It's about trusting and walking with our Savior. Because when we have to understand and make sense of everything, we become easy victims of deception in our life. Because if we don't understand, but we have to understand, what we'll do is we'll fill in the blanks ourselves. And when you and I start filling in the blanks about our faith, that is a scary place to be. That is a very scary place to be. The best approach a Christian can take in our faith is to have the perspective that you know less than 1% about, of everything about faith and kingdom of God. You know very, very little. And again, there are parts that are as clear as day. I'm not here to make the absolute abstract, but I'm also not here to make the abstract absolute. We tend to go more that way than the, than the other. There are definitely places that go the other, but that's probably not the biggest concern for us in our life. It's arrogant for us to think that we are perfectly enlightened to all the truth of God and to his character and even how he expects us to fully follow him. Some of the, some of the deception in our life can be a deal breaker, but some of it just makes us look ignorant. I mean, just think about it, church. I don't know, I mean, I've been, I've been following Jesus for 30 years. I can think off the top of my head many, many things that I was absolutely sure of, that I argued with people about 20 years ago, that today I'm like, oh, that was so wrong. <laughs> I so missed it. I was so immature. I thought I knew it. About the character of God or about living out this faith or, or so many things that we could just become so sure of and we're filling in the blanks and we're forming opinions based on partial knowledge and it just becomes conjecture. And it's detrimental to us in our faith and it's detrimental to the kingdom of God because it's usually it's divisive. It's usually pushing people away. It's usually creating a we them mentality. Oh, well, we, you know, we're Arminianists. They're Calvinists. Ooh. You know, it's a we them thing when really the reality is we all believe the same thing is there's some differences in how we think it gets there, but it's not stuff that should divide us. It's stuff that should bring us together in our life. The reality is that deception in the church is exploding. I think if you have eyes to see anything, you can see that. And some of that, you know, is just because of where we're at in, in, in the, the time frame, the timeline of the human race. You know, networking is so good, so easy right now because of all the things, internet, social networking, social marketing, or social media and all those things. And some, so much of that is so wonderful, but it's also really scary because if you've got somebody that says they're a Christian and they're really dynamic and charismatic and sound convincing, they can convince people of a lot of things that really aren't true. I find myself having to convince young people today that no, God's actually not okay with you just cussing all you want and using foul language all the time. <laughs> that's not okay. That's a big movement on social media. Ah, oh, God doesn't care how we talk. Those verses about foul language, that's not what they're talking about. He's talking about baseball or something. But it's just, it's so easy because of how networked we are now. And we have to guard ourselves against that. Where we have partial information, we cannot make it absolute. Or where we have absolute information, we cannot make it partial or abstract either. The, uh, you know, the Pharisees, 
I mean, they made a, uh, they made a great living doing this. They took things and just added to it. They filled in the blanks and then they added more lines. And what they did was they made conjecture a religion. They were the most deceived of them all. If you know the gospels at all, you know, Jesus went hard after the Pharisees way more than anybody else. He showed grace to prostitutes, tax collectors, all kinds of corrupt people. But when it came to the religious Pharisees who lived in this realm, they lived in the conjecture. He rebuked them horribly because they were completely deceived because they allowed themselves to fill in blanks and do what they thought sounded more spiritual and sounded more right. And they were smart and learned. So people just followed them and believed it. And it's a scary thing. It is so important that we understand that there are scores of secrets about the kingdom that we don't know. And as you grow in your faith, you learn more. There's people here today that are in their seventies and have been saved for 50 years. They probably have had more of the secrets of the kingdom revealed to them than some of the young people that have been saved for three years, because that's what God does. He reveals himself to us more and more as we go along. So young people, it's good and wise to talk to people that have been saved a long time because they've learned through their mistakes. They've learned through what they used to think because they were real idealistic and they realized, oh, that's not actually how God is working. And being wise in that is really good and really smart for all of us. All right, so that's the conjecture. So let me just take a minute on the third one, which was confidence. I said that an aspect of a secret is that there has to be confidence. There has to be, it has to be able to be kept in this circle for it to be a secret, okay? So this is where we break from the characteristics of a secret, okay? The secrets of the kingdom of heaven are not meant to be kept in confidence. They're not meant to be kept in the circle. We're not meant to circle the wagons and keep everything here and rejoice that we're saved and rejoice that we know God and then there's all those people out there that don't and it stinks to be them, but <laughs> at least we're all good. That's not what the secrets of the kingdom of heaven are meant to be. They're actually meant to be the worst kept secrets in town where we are actually living it out and revealing it to people. God uses his people to help expand his kingdom. If you're here today and you are a Christian and you love Jesus, chances are it's because somebody else that was already in the kingdom told you about him. And God used them and they didn't keep it a secret from you, they actually shared it with you. That's God's heart for us. We are meant to be a light shining in the darkness. In fact, Jesus' words in Matthew 5 are wonderful. Verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. That's a great thing, isn't it? If you are a follower of his, you are, a, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. The worst kept secret in town, guys. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine. Do not keep the faith confident. Do not keep the secrets. It is not we versus them. It is all of us together. We are the city on the hill that is meant to draw people. He says, let your light shine. In other words, he's saying, let the secret out. You don't have to keep this secret. The more people that know it, the better. 
We are meant to be that city on a hill. We are meant to be drawing people to Jesus. When someone's walking along and they see us, it's dark outside, but they see up on a hill, they see this bright city with all its lights on, they are drawn to that. That looks like a place I wanna be. It looks like a place that's safe. It looks like a place where I can live there. It looks like a place where they'll accept me and they'll bring me in. That is what we are meant to be. Unfortunately, this is also a secret that is too often kept in the church. I'm a, I'm a numbers guy, I love statistics, I love to read trends and things like that. And one thing that I see a lot that is so grieving is that they say consistently that over half of people that would call themselves Christians have not shared their faith with someone in the last year. And that's, that's heartbreaking, that we would not be sharing this incredible treasure that we found. It's not like this is a pearl. It, the analogy Jesus gave of the guy that found the pearl of great price and he went and sold everything so he could buy it, where, where the analogy doesn't work is that it's not this thing that we have to keep to ourselves. The pearl that he gives us, it is, it's multiplied. Like we can't give it out enough. The more we give it out, the more there is for us. It's meant to be given to everybody. It's meant to be in our heart that we would want to expose the deception and reveal the truth of the kingdom of heaven. It's why we're here, church. It's why we're here. If it was just about Jesus wanted you to get saved and that's all that mattered, when we got saved, we'd be whisked off to heaven. But he says, no, no, when you get saved, now you're part of my kingdom and now you're part of helping bring my kingdom to this earth. You're a soldier for Christ. You're a soldier in the Lord's army. We don't fight with a sword we, well, we fight with a sword, but it's one of these. And we use it not to kill people, but to kill death. To be used to help destroy death in people's lives, to take the sting of death away, and to be the light that God has called us to be. Amen? Let's do that this season. Let's, let's be those people that will share what Jesus has done in our life. Not beating them over the head with our Bibles, but sharing this incredible treasure that has been given to us. Amen? Would you stand with me, please? I'd like to pray for you today. And I just wanna encourage you. I wanna just take a moment for us to just stay in silence and just let the Lord speak to your heart. You might say, well, I don't know what that looks like. Well, sometimes it's just literally a matter of just being silent before him and saying, God, would you, would you show me if there's things that I've allowed to stay concealed? Maybe you haven't even given your life to Jesus. Maybe you wouldn't even say you're saved. You're not even on that narrow path. You're on the broad path. Well, I believe God will show you in this moment that he wants to show you the narrow path, to show you that you are spiritually bankrupt, to show you that what you've earned in your life is death and separation from him. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. I believe he wants to show you that today. Or if you're here and you're a believer, you're following Jesus, but you've allowed their secrets of the kingdom that he wants to reveal to you. Ask him to show you those. Like, God, where have I been deceived? Show me the deception in my life. Show me where I have made absolutes out of things that have led me astray or even others astray. And help me to have your heart for people that I would share this incredible treasure that has been shared with me. So let's just take a moment. We're not gonna take a long time, but I just want us to be in silence for a moment. God, search our hearts.
Lord, we thank you today that, that you have secrets. We thank you for it because we know, according to your word, that these secrets are meant to be sought out. That you actually want us to seek it. You want us to find them. You're not hiding them from us. You're hiding them for us because it's incredibly valuable to you. Lord, for anyone today that can hear my voice, that doesn't know you, has not stepped into salvation, God, I pray that you would reveal your heart for them, that you would show them your great love for them and that you came and died for them, not just for anyone, for them, and that they can have eternal life by putting their trust and their faith in you. That when we reject our sin, when we reject our flesh and we stop going our own way, but we give ourselves to you, that you receive us. Your word tells us that you will not cast aside anyone who puts their faith in you. And that when we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. So God, let that be the truth that is revealed, the secret that is revealed to those that do not know you today. And for those of us that would say we know you, God, I pray that you would help us. Help us, Lord, to seek you, to allow you to reveal some more of your secrets to us. God, that the things that are concealed, that we would not allow it to just stay there, Lord. Whether it's the greatness through serving, whether it's contentment in all things, whether it's more blessed to give than to receive, or many of the other secrets that many of us don't ever get. Lord, would you, would you just stir our hearts? God, would you make us discontent in our hearts so that we would seek you and allow you to minister to us and reveal those secrets to us, God? Lord, we wanna honor you. I pray that you would be honored in this place and in all of our lives. We thank you for your kingdom. We thank you for coming to this earth and revealing your kingdom to us. It started out as you being a little baby and we celebrate that this month, God. We are so thankful for Emmanuel, God with us. And Lord, we just rejoice in that today. We thank you for your love and your mercy. We honor you and it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.